Sunday. I've never recorded one of these on Sunday. Nice. <laughs> so you're. <laughs> this is a first I like for me. That. Well, everybody, welcome to. I always want to put in my, bro- my mine and my brothers, the Creative Journey podcast. This is the second time I've done this. Um, my mind is farting. It's Sunday. Across from me. Sorry. Here we go. Josh Joyce. Howdy. <laughs> he is the owner and runner and nerd behind Wombat Studios. Am I getting that right? That's correct. Okay. Yay. All around <clears throat> music nerd, talented guy. Uh, both hit him up obviously on his website and on Instagram. If you just search Wombat Studios, you'll find him. Yep. Um. Mutual friend, if anybody remembers Gordy from season two, that's mutual friend. I ran into him and we just started talking music. I'm like, hey, podcast. <laughs> so, yep. um, Josh, let's start at the beginning because it's a good place to start. Just kind of give me your little bit of your bio if you have one, kind of when you started, why you're doing what you're doing, that sort of thing. So basically, I'll give you like the medium version of the bio because there's a long version and there's a short version. Okay. I'll, give, I'll give you the one in the middle. I've been doing music since I was, like, a kid because I always thought that, like, basically the electric guitar was, like, the coolest thing on the actual planet. Like, I saw somebody just, like, ripping one day, and I was like, that's there's actually nothing cooler than that. (laughs) And so I learned to play – I started learning to play guitar probably uh, 13 – no, more like 12, 11, 12. Like, I really started to play. I had played before that, yeah. but I really started to play, like, got an electric guitar for Christmas, you know, the whole deal, when I was, like, 12, 13. Right. Played music all through high school. Um, Gordy, definitely a part of my story, too. Like, me and him were in bands together in high school. Okay. You know what I mean? We were in, like, a heavy metal band. <laughs> what? Christian heavy metal band. And we, like, like when, when I say that, people think, like, oh, yeah, you, like, played in your garage. We played like we played out like almost every weekend for a good year and a half. Wow. Like we were like we weren't touring as in like, you know, taking a tour bus around. Right. But we were like right up against as close as you can get to touring without actually touring. Like we were playing all over the place. Whoa. Um with all the local metal bands. And that was a blast. <laughs> um so essentially, yeah, I'd been doing music my whole life. Yeah. Got to a certain point where turned 18 19 you know my dad's telling me hey you got to get a job like you got to work my dad owns a um tree service oh nice and so i started working for him at actually my senior year of high school i was working for him part-time and then just kind of went right into the tree industry um full-time for about three years um and that was cool it's kind of a fun job actually but it just wasn't it wasn't doing it for me as far right. as like I, I couldn't see myself doing it for my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cool industry. I think it's more fun than like typical landscaping, you know, where you're like laying mulch or something. You're you like were the first person tree. that I've ever heard to actually say that. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Most people would say the opposite. Most people hate it. <laughs> really? Tree? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, no, granted, I'm t- usually talking to the grunts that had to do it. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was definitely on the grunt phase, too. I was just starting to get out of that when I quit. Um, but I don't know. I thought it was fulfilling. It was just, like, not something I was going to do for the rest of my life. It's pretty exhausting. Um, and so, yeah, I always had this, like, desire to want to do music full time. Essentially, <clears throat> I go to – are you familiar with Circuit Riders? Yeah. I go to a circuit riders training in California. Okay. 
And this is probably, I want to say, 21. Yeah, I just turned 21. Because I remember going to this circuit riders thing and, like, drinking beer with somebody. And, like, we weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> so I was like, I'm 21. I'm going to drink beer. And, um, yeah. So I go there, and I'm starting to pray about, like, what is the Lord going to actually do with my life right. kind of stuff. I'm trying to kind of have this whole cathartic moment of, like, trying to figure out what's going on with my life. I get a call from my buddy Doug. You know Doug Taylor? I know of the name Doug Taylor. Never never met the guy. Yeah. So me, Gordy, and Doug were, like, super close throughout high school. Doug is also somewhat, like, Doug was a drummer, but he was never really, like, in bands with us. He was always just kind of, like, around. Like, Doug was that guy that, like, knew everybody. He was, oh, okay. like, so connected. He had his hand in everything. He's still kind of like that. Right. Doug is awesome. And me and Doug had bought some studio equipment together before I had gone out to California. Just, like, to kind of, you know, get our feet wet and, like, beyond studio one you know we yeah. got pro tools we got some like nice stuff just to like mess around with some music stuff sure <clears throat> doug gives me a call while i'm in california while i'm kind of going through this experience of like what am i gonna do with my life and he's like dude i got a guy who wants to pay us three thousand dollars to record a gospel album and i'm like is that you god <laughs> <laughs> because it was like it's just kind of wild. Like yeah. that's, that's an insane thing to have somebody tell you that's going to happen. Like to just get that phone call. Hey, right. $3,000. We're going to do an album. Right. I'm like, I think the most I ever made for, from recording somebody up to that point was like $30. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like in my bedroom. Is know? that, is that like basically three months of tree work too? Uh, you three grand. More? Yeah. Well, we were splitting it. So, and oh, actually good point. I forgot Gordy was in on this project too. And we paid him as like a, a studio musician because he's way better keys player than I was. Sure. Uh, so we actually paid him as like a studio musician. So he got a cut too. I think I only ended up making like 1200 maybe 1500 bucks. That's still pretty good for like a first like professional gig. Yeah, first professional gig. And so long story short, I get this gig and I'm like, screw it. I'm going to freaking quit my tree job. And so I quit right then and there. I called my dad. I was like, I'm not going to do this. That was a whole thing. It got <laughs> kind of dramatic, actually, at one point. But me and my dad, were real tight now. He gets it. Um, but yeah, I quit doing tree work, went into full-time studio work, and have literally never done any other full-time work ever since that moment. Wow. I have, have driven when, for when Uber was a little rough, bit. When was this uh, This would have been uh, about seven years ago. Okay. Yeah, we're looking at about seven years ago at this point. Okay. Um, so 20, oh man, I'm so bad with the math. It'd be 2015? Yeah, like 2014, 2015 okay. area. Probably 2015. Um, yeah, never looked back. I've like driven for Uber a little bit here right. and there. Not, not recently, but like in the early phases. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the story of like how it came to be. Um, it's definitely really rough in those early years. Sure. Like most jobs were not $3,000 <laughs> albums. They were like rappers being like bro can you record me for like 50 bucks and i was like sure even though i'm splitting this with someone else you right. know what i mean but yeah that's i guess so where, did you start in your studio or did you eventually move into it uh so the studio is it's kind of a crazy that you like we're recording this right now because i'm actually about to move i'm moving in july okay like to a really nice professional space but i have been in the same space since that moment 
of like deciding mm. to go full time from that moment to now I've been in the same space which is actually Doug's parents <laughs> basement but it's like it's not a basement like you got to walk through the house and down the stairs right. to go to the basement it's got like a pull around driveway nice little uh screen door there like it, it's very much like its own space yeah. you know what I mean yeah. with a you know, it, it almost like could be marketed like a, a apartment, you know, okay, what I mean? yeah. kind of thing. And I'm, I would be surprised if once I move out of there, they don't actually try to rent it out. Kind of like maybe like a little apartment or something yeah. like that. Um, I think they've even talked about it. <laughs> but yeah, so that's actually where I've been for the last seven years. And I'm literally moving out in July. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> um, Yeah, you told me you're moving downtown downtown og harden lancaster well mm-hmm. i say down yeah okay anyway yeah so market street i'm looking forward to seeing the space hopefully i'll be able to stop in sometime Absolutely. and see it yeah um okay so seven years ago started and you're at now to a point where how how well known do you like obviously i know you because sure. i'm immersed enough yeah yeah in the space that i I heard the name and I've done the stalking and the whole yeah, thing yeah. of like, oh, this is the thing because I like doing research. It's a whole thing that I do. Oh, yeah, for sure. So how how cemented are you when it comes to the Lancaster County or even like not necessarily mid-Atlantic, but, you know, the surrounding counties, surrounding area, you know, down into Maryland? How cemented are you in in the music, in, in the music industry? Yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way. <clears throat> Most people... Within the vein of hip hop, pop, R and B, that kind of like realm, yeah, like music that is produced primarily with beats and you know what I mean, like you're yeah. building instrumentals, not like a full band. Yeah, I would say that I'm like very well cemented. Like okay. people in Lancaster that do that kind of music know who I am and either like somewhat connected like if you said wombat they'd probably be like oh yeah my my buddy went there or whatever yeah you know what i mean like you know um you familiar with like Corey O and laddie moran they're like bigger rappers around the name sounds familiar yeah laddie is really big he's a fish i haven't quite reeled in maybe one day (laughs) but his but Corey O, like he's been to the studio i've worked with i've worked with plenty of most of the rappers that are like kind of doing things in Lancaster yeah and then Maryland I would say is actually like kind of similar I've had tons of clients from Maryland um but once you get outside of like Lancaster Philly Baltimore kind of triangle there yeah maybe DC I don't know I wouldn't say I'm, I'm certainly not a name sure you know what I mean like if you you ask some dude in like North Carolina like Who's the hip hop studio? They're not gonna. They have no idea who I am. So is that what you kind of <clears throat> brand yourself as, for lack of? It's the it's that mostly midi file pushing type. It's kind of not weird, that that's man. anything bad. Oh no, yeah, it's kind it's kind of crazy. I didn't I, I didn't do it by design. Okay, but it just kind of happened. Like it just kind of came to me, and I started getting really good at mixing vocals. Okay, and so I became like the the go-to guy for like, Hey, you got to beat, like, take it to Josh. He's going to like, do it right. You know what I mean? Cause I was, I became like a really good vocal mixer early on. So just pairing the vocals and the beat together. Yeah. Stuff okay. like that. And I still do a lot of that, yeah. but now I'm doing a lot more like full production work for people where they're coming to me with, you know, something that they like and we're building something that's like custom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm doing much more so now, but Certainly, I don't know why I got the reputation of like, hey, this is like a rap studio, but or a pop studio, but it just kind of became a thing. And 
Yeah, I would say I would say sixty percent of my work is with non bands. Okay. And then the other forty percent is with either a band or like a singer songwriter who brings a band. You know what I mean? Got it. So that's sixty. You answered 40. my next question. So oh, yeah. ten out of ten. Good job. Way to read my mind. Nice. <laughs> how much of like from a percentage wise, how much is returning clientele and how much is new clientele? Oh, it's it's a ton of it's a ton of returning. Okay. I would say I probably end up with Somewhere between three to six completely new clients every month. Okay. And then, you know, 20 plus returning clients every month. Okay. So it's probably like that. So it's a steady trickle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a normal day for me is going to the studio, recording somebody that I've been working with, getting a call from some new guy, giving him my price. You know, if he bites, he comes in the next week. But there's a, but like a lot of that time is filled by just like clients that I've established relationships with over the years yeah. that we're on like our second or third project. So it's know? like it's the 80, 20, 20% yeah. of your clients are going to give you 80% of your work sort of deal. It, well, I would, I'd put it more at like a eh, 80, 20 is a little much, but it's certainly, <laughs> it's certainly like, yeah, there are standbys that okay. are, that are like, you know, I wouldn't say they pay the bills like completely. Right. But there's some people who like certain months are like, yeah, this was like this person was like a third of my income this month. Oh, wow. Okay. But I keep my schedule really full with a lot of the in-betweens and the, you know, hey, I'm just going to come in and bang out a song because I'm here or because I'm high and I'm in the mood. You know what I sure. mean? To, like bang out a song. Like I keep my schedule really full of those too. So, so <clears throat> roughly how many hours are you putting in the week then? It's between 40 and 50. Okay. It's actually not that ridiculous. Wow. Also, we're drinking People, Coronas while we record this, so be yeah, jealous, everybody. Sure. <laughs> yep. Um, it's certainly not like a totally overwhelming workflow. I think right. I could make it that if I wanted to. Um, some weeks it's closer to 60 hours, and some weeks it's more like right around 40, if not less. It can, it can vary, but I never feel you know totally over exerted <laughs> that's good sorry i'm just trying to think of my next question because there's like a billion of them that i have in oh, my good, brain man. do you get a lot of i had one guy who his masterer mm -hmm. the person who does his mastering lives in he's like like somewhere Ephrata area yeah. and he i think might be in lebanon i don't remember um and his the guy who does his mastering is in australia do you get any do you get any like side stuff where you're working with somebody in California, Canada, that sort of stuff? Yes. You're asking all the right questions today, man. <laughs> I want to say like, yes. And also I am pushing that right now. Okay. I have an entire ad campaign running like Facebook, Instagram, mar yeah. um, marketplace, not marketplace, Facebook and Instagram marketing ads yeah. um, that are all directed at exactly that, getting mixing and mastering clients from everywhere you know yeah really targeting the the self-produced artist who records themselves and is frustrated banging their head against the wall because it doesn't sound like the stuff on the radio right like really targeting that audience of just like hey let me help you you know what i mean like let me you know dragon i have it literally a whole page on my website it's like super easy people can like purchase the option they want then they pay through like stripe like a super easy thing wow credit card drag and drop the files into a thing and then i mix it and send it back 
it's kind of newer that I'm doing this. Yeah, it's, it's actually yeah, it's up and running. Like that's right even better. That's even better than Fiverr because you want way better than because you wouldn't have to. They want to take their cut. Yeah, and I feel like you can do your own marketing and you keep your own brand compared to exactly because I've been thinking like okay, I need sounds weird. I need an intro song for this podcast plus the other podcasts that I produce, mm, you know, yeah. sort of deal. And it's like, all right, I know I can't do it. I have, I can have ideas in my head, but I know I can't do it. So what do I do? Sure. And I feel like if I saw your ad and was like, hey, here's for mixing mastering. If I was a bedroom artist, I'd be like, I prefer this than taking a chance right. on, on some ran- rando on Fiverr. Right. Exactly. That I might get what I want. Oh, and by the way, it's a one-time fee and most producers that are on social media are just like you get one thing and then you're done yeah yep exactly and you know that like i tried fiverr i never got a i literally never got one hit on fiverr wow just because of so much and it's like you gotta become you gotta get some of your clients to essentially like like some of your regular clients to like buy through fiverr a bunch oh to like kind of start that process yeah because you put out that like you're a mixing and mastering service you're just gonna get buried under like 500 other services sure like, i've literally never even gotten a single hit i know a dude who's a songwriter he writes jingles for people who like does really well on fiverr and kind of he knows the ins and outs of it better yeah. than i do but i know it can work for some people it definitely didn't work for me so i was like let me do this on my own and like push it with yeah. ads and stuff like that. so how much do you spend like <laughs> quote unquote in administration or selling because obviously with marketing yeah because like, yeah. you are above the curve when it comes to people who are in a creative space right who understand they have to market themselves in a way that isn't just posting on social media well it's kind of interesting again this is like really funny timing because i did just start this ad campaign right. like a couple months ago is this your first ad campaign that you've ever run um there was there was one back in the day um, to just kind of like get myself out there yeah. like a little bit more as a studio. And then I ran one for like my actual solo, like music, like I rap a little bit. It's not something I take super seriously. Yeah. But I ran like a little ad campaign when I released my album, but I don't really know much about it. Um, so yeah, I'm very, I'm very much like new at it and I've been doing it only for like a couple months for this current like ad campaign that I'm running. Let's let's get a little weird here. So I worked for a company um, who actually ended up firing me, but beside the point, who at the time, they specialized in lead generation through Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Um, they basically made a nicer UI than Facebook and Instagram's UI, which, as nice. you probably know, sucks. Mm. Um, it does now. It does now. It didn't used to. Oh, like, interesting. It, Facebook and Instagram used to convert like crazy. And these new laws that they've passed that have like made face you, Facebook can't look at anything you do on your phone unless it's in Facebook anymore. Right. That didn't used to be the case. Right. Yep. They could just figure out what people are into just based on all the stuff they do on their phone. Yep. Now it's literally like if you if you say in your Facebook profile that you're interested in music, maybe you'll get an ad for something musical. Right. And that's like as far as it goes now. So it actually does suck, but like only as of recently <laughs> to me the it is as of recently and to me when the one instagram ad that i ran it was specifically now it went on facebook too but yeah. fa- instagram's ui isn't half terrible hmm. and i felt like 
that's going to give me better data yeah. than a Facebook. And also, that's going to be where my clientele is going to be at. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the Boost Point, the company that I used to work for, was so kind of on edge that they had to completely change how they ran their business mm-hmm. that now they're a recruiting platform. Interesting. So they, they literally go and use Facebook and Instagram to help get bring in like job recruitment. Ah, I see. Like they're basically competing with Indeed yeah. and LinkedIn jobs. Oh. Sort of now. So hmm. so this is so sorry, coming no, back to you because you know that's what no. why you're here. This is your first campaign that you've run for specifically your services. Yeah. Yeah. This okay. is the first one I've run for my services. And I have to ask, how are you converting? How's what are the statistics? Oh, like? almost almost not at all. <laughs> like literally almost not at all. Because I'm I'm still just like learning about it. I'm I'm in the process of like trying to funnel through Okay, this ad this ad got a lot of clicks. I'm getting clicks. Yeah. You know, I'm just not really getting many people purchased. So it's like Okay, this ad worked a little bit, and this ad got a lot of clicks, so I'll sink some more money into this one. And then also trying to create other ones that are like, you know, some one of them, the, the, when you go on my mixing and mastering page, yeah. there's a video on there that's like professionally shot that yeah. I paid really good money for. Yeah. That's like this, it's got this whole kind of goofy storyline on it. And it, you know, it's like the whole, it's a whole thing. It's got some humor, but it's very much like, hey, here's my stuff. You know, you could take me seriously. You could trust me. Here's, why here's some examples you know what i mean yeah that one was like that's like what people see when they go to the page but that video in and of itself like nobody clicked on it when i ran it as an ad at all because it's it's literally just it's long and it's kind of got a little intro and you're kind of like confused and people just scroll right past that stuff whereas like i made one recently where i'm like hey let me take your mix from this to this with like songs playing yeah and that one got plenty of clicks still not many purchases but like clicks you know like it gets people in it into the page reading the information maybe they'll see it a second time and get more convinced sure um and i'm working on other ones too of like maybe more like quick phone style things i have like a little script i'm writing up now for another one i'm doing a client testimonial one where I'm piecing together five uh, client testimonials. I'm still in the process of receiving them all. Yeah. But from people who like would essentially say that they would never go anywhere else with their music and just be like, Hey, can you like say that in video form? And let me like clip it and put like a little ad together with like five people in a row saying that within like 20 seconds. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm always kind of ex- now I'm always kind of like experimenting. So is your ad dropping them? <clears throat> sorry, now I'm in marketing mode. Is yeah. your ad dropping them on your like sign up page, or is it dropping them to another advertise to like your it's, page? It's dropping them to the mixing and mastering page. Okay, <clears throat> which is you can read some information on it. You can see the little long form video if you want to, um, and then you can decide. You know, you want to purchase options A, B, or C. Got it. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, but I'm certainly, I mean, it's not doing well, right. so I'm not doing something right. <laughs> I'm really in the process of just trying to figure this out. Conversion. I'm certainly no marketing guru. Conversion <laughs> is one of those things. Well, you're still, again, doing better than most because the old, the old standby I feel like is okay. Get one or two, get a base clientele, people who pay the bills and people who you appreciate yep. what they're doing and then hope that somebody lights off 
and you get a flood of people and you can start picking and choosing who you want. Well, it's kind of interesting. That's an interesting point. Like just that sentence or two right there, (laughs) I feel like I could really speak on. Well, go ahead and speak on it then. Because I've had dudes like what, what we perceive as like, one guy you know that one guy that's gonna pop off and bring in all the other fish you know what i mean that it's kind of an iffy concept because let's say a video gets a million views on youtube right you know most people would consider that like success correct like you hundred a million views on youtube you have a video with a million and you did that okay but at the end of the day nobody really made all that much money from that experience at all right like getting a million views on youtube yeah you got your name out there you really didn't make any money from that. Right. In order to get AdSense, you have to have X amount of subscribers. Right. And then assuming some other weird stuff didn't happen. And even you, if you did have all that lined up, yep. you still weren't really making money. Right. You, you might have got I mean? maybe 200 bucks if you're yeah, lucky. If, if that. Right. And then like how often do people watch a video and and be like, oh, man. Like out of the million people that watch that video, maybe a hundred of them. We're like, where was this song mixed? I need to know the name of this producer. Right. And then they go as far as to like Google who produced this song. Like the amount of people that are actually going to do that out of like a million views. It's like so few. Yes. It's people <laughs> you know who, what I mean? in, who appreciated the beat over the song. Right. Or just the whole, you know, the whole experience of the song, the mix, you know, the way right. it was mastered. Like. It's those people. Well, who are those really nerds are care. even less than the people who just appreciated the beat. Like it's those true. are the people who are more nerdy than I am. Right. It's not a lot of people. Even artists, I feel like, don't do that. You know, they, a, a lot of artists are stuck with the guy that they like from their hometown. Yeah. And, you know, has been doing their stuff. That's why I'm really targeting. I really need to target the. The guy in his bedroom who's trying to do it all himself, yep. who hasn't already found a studio that he really likes, yep. and is like in need of help. And then I, via the internet, am like, I'm here to help you, yep. you know, <clears throat> in like a personal way and not in like a, yeah, send me your stuff and I'll send you your stuff back. But in right. like a, I'll reach out to you, I'll email you, I'll send you mixed revisions, I'll get your vision for the song. Right. You know what I mean? Like all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the whole concept of like, man, this one guy's going to blow up and then I'm just going to be flooded with clients. Like, I don't know, man, I'm starting to think that that's less and less of a thing. Like, yeah. If somebody blew up on a Justin Bieber level, sure. sure. But like, it doesn't happen. Much. Even then I can't tell you where Justin Bieber recorded any of his stuff. Most people can't let alone, <clears throat> let alone who produced his record. Unless I looked it up. Well, I can tell you the Betty Blanco re- pe- yeah. songs he produced, but that's cause that's his own, he has his own brand. Yeah, right. Now, Justin Bieber writes the hit song and records at your studio and then blows up. Yeah, he'll probably never he'll probably never go to another studio again. Right. Cuz he trusts you now. Right. You know what I mean? Or at least for a long time he won't, but Yeah, and he'll bring his friends, you know. Right. <clears throat> well, and that's the thing is also studio and producer are are separate now. I feel mm-hmm. like they used to be the same. And for most of the time, I feel like for most of it's all separate. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> now it's like, I forget who it was, but I saw a dude, one of those videos of a guy breaking down 
the beat that he made and it was like a little Uzi Vert song or somebody who just comes in and mumbles over something yeah, yeah. and then produces not someone that anybody appreciates. Hey um, man, some of those guys some of those guys are more talented than you would think. Sure. The futures and the Uzi Verts of the world are like and the young thugs a little bit. Yeah. But there's some of those guys that get lumped into that thing, but they actually have like some real talent, you know. It, it depends. Well, and the and the producers are separate to them. Like yeah. I was saying specifically, this guy showed up to his studio that they were renting out, and the and the the talent was playing basketball, yeah, and yeah. he was the one using the studio space. Yeah, and so it's like <clears throat> to me that my mind was boggled by that being like, if I'm an artist and I'm coming in and I'm paying X amount of dollars for studio space that isn't the producers. Yeah, there's no way I'm not working in it, dude. That's that is wild. <laughs> yeah. Studio rentals and right. you know, hey, just let me show up here and turn some knobs, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, frick, I forgot my question. I had two questions. And they both left me. <laughs> how how are you targeting since we'll go here since it's the first thing that popped back into my mind? Are you just targeting like the United States or are you sp- for your ad or are you picking out different cities? 2 weeks ago specifically I actually went even broader than the United States. I went okay. like Australia, Canada, Great Britain, all this stuff. In general, though, I haven't gone very specific yet. You have to have a better. I bel- I think I don't know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, my friend Doug, actually, who's an insane marketing yep. guru, probably like slap me across the face if you heard this podcast. <laughs> but I think it has something to do with like my pixel is not. It's like still too young, like to be to get really specific with it yet. So you're talking about ads specific, Google ads specifically? Cause no, with with um, Facebook and Instagram. Like when you when you when you create a Facebook ad campaign, you yeah. have to. You don't have to, but you're supposed to create a pixel. Yeah. And what that pixel does, oh, it kind of follows everyone tracking. around yeah, a little yeah, yeah. bit. And my pixel is like not quite hot enough or yeah. whatever to be able to get super specific with my ads yet. well it's just not gonna but you can yeah. also guess right you could you could do it you could do you could do atlanta miami baltimore philly new york la and Maybe. you could specifically throw ads there and yeah. see what came back i probably will at some point right yeah but also it's better to have the actual information yeah than just listen to the guy who did it for five months, you know? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, dear Lord. Okay, hold on. I'm going to talk out loud to hopefully track back one of my questions regarding. Yeah, fine. Oh, so you started when it was transitioning from iTunes to Spotify. Yeah, man. How did that transition what was what is your take on that transition because we're no longer buying music yeah right we're streaming it yeah and spotify is the big guy Mm -hmm. in the the, with i don't know maybe apple music or title maybe technically youtube but no that's that's the wild west when it comes to music so yeah (laughs) what is kind of what is your input since we're talking about statistics specifically on on Spotify changing the game, I guess, is the broad question I'm asking. You know, I'm actually fine with it. Like, hot take, you know? <laughs> I'm kind of cool with it because the money was always in live music. Okay. You know, that's always where the money was in the music industry. I I don't know that from experience. Yeah. Like, you know, I played in a local metal band. I made no money. Right. But 
I know that because I've heard enough people say it, like big, you know, artists say that yeah. to a certain point where I'm like, okay, this must be like the truth. Right. Because if you think about it, like you're either you're either super relevant like in the days of CD sales. Yeah. You know, and you're actually making a good million dollars a year or whatever, a couple million off of CDs. But if you're at that point, you're also doing nationwide tours where you're making like eight times the amount of money. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. So it, it's always kind of like, it's always been this ratio of like live performance, 80% CD sales, 20. Right. And now it's more just like live performance, 95% streaming 5%. Right. You know what I mean? The The upside of streaming is it's so accessible. Anybody can hear you. Right. You can blow up overnight now and you could become somewhat relevant overnight, which we just talked about this. Sometimes, you know, getting a million views, it doesn't actually really mean anything. Right. I get that. Like I, you know, I just said that that's, that's a real thing, but it, if you get enough exposure on like multiple tracks and you begin you begin to like gain an actual you know this many listeners per month or whatever those people will come to your shows eventually right you know what I mean like that will translate into your live performances for yeah. sure and being able to sell tickets you know I there's there's bands I've gone to see live since the Spotify Apple music age that I discovered via Spotify Apple music. sure you know what I mean? That I had no idea about. And then somebody told me, to listen to them. And it wasn't like, Oh, I got to go buy their CD to listen to them. It was like, I could just go listen to them. Right. And I became a fan. Right. There's value in that. You know what I mean? Well, there's a huge, but value. this is me talking as I'm not in a band. You know? Right. You would probably have this conversation with somebody in a band and like, ah, it sucks. You know? Well, <laughs> but also know. for you <clears throat> as the, you're the, you're seeing the most. Yeah. You have the most insight, in my opinion, compared to someone who's just in a band. Because that's a bias, right? Yeah. That's a singular... I'm not working with huge artists either. Right. But, you know. But at the same... But that's a perfect example because 99% of music is done by working musicians. Mm -hmm. The yeah. one, It's the 1% who are selling out and doing stadium tours. Yeah. It's true. So, it, it's the same thing with, like, any comedy. Like... Yeah, sorry, definitely. I don't know why I went there, but it's no, the same thing with yeah. comedy, right? You have your you have your club, you have your theater, your arena, and then your stadium. Stadium, yeah, right. And so the it's the one percent who are all the big names. Yep. But nine times out of ten, the ones laying the foundations are the ones who are still in the club. Mm, yeah, like so, setting the tone. Yeah, for exactly. What the so, sound is in the culture, and it's not field. a bad thing for me because yeah. it is. You're you're setting the culture, and you're working with the culture setters, especially as some the let's not lie, the only name for us in town when it comes to that sixty percent of your is R and B pop bedroom sort yeah. of type style. Yeah, when it comes to it, um, I, I'm definitely not the only name in town. There's a lot of other really good studios actually. Um, I have it's no just, idea which ones they are. I it's just, no, I know, I know. It's just because honestly, I've gotten really good Google reviews, and I've been able to keep myself in that top couple searches. When you search Lancaster, yeah, studio, that doesn't, that certainly doesn't make me the only one. There's there there are studios that do primarily hip hop, rap, pop, and stuff that are also really good that operate in Lancaster. 
that are working with even some of them working with bigger names than I do, yeah. but are a little bit more exclusive. Yeah. And they're like, Hey, I do this, but I do it part time and I just work with these five people and I don't really want to get into it. I would say I'm probably the only one that's like, yeah, I do this all the time, 24 seven, you know, anybody welcome kind of thing. So sorry, I'm <clears> writing <throat> down another one of my questions. Oh yeah, you're good. Before I forget it. Cause I wanted to come back to that. What are you seeing in the culture for specifically those, especially because of 2020? Yeah. Even though we live in a very conservative county, it's not like there was a ton of touring, shall we say, or, you know, bands out and about. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to uh, a local band luke weiler and his band in river wild and he has a few other side projects that he does nice their first thing as a band honing in is june 12th and the last time they did it was last year yeah so it's that same sort of idea where you're seeing all these again what we're calling culture setters is what i'm going to call them yeah so how have you seen how do they convert like Mm. To to what? To like they have to convert their local fans into into ticket sales basically mm. or people coming out to see them. Because, you know, let's say Telus is having a band. You're not buying tickets from Telus, you're paying the cover and oh, the yeah. band is getting some of the money that that's right. from. Stuff like that. Stuff like that. <clears throat> it really becomes like you know, I think at this phase, like you're talking about, like if you're talking about Lancaster rap and hip hop and pop and R and B, you're kind of more talking about like people, like the people who go to see those shows in Lancaster, yeah, like at Phantom Power or right. at Telus, and they're like going to the show. A lot of times, it's friend groups and extended friend groups of the band. You know what I mean, or the artists. And then it's just, like, people who just want to go to those places anyway. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, hey, I just want to go to Telus, and I stumbled upon this guy rapping who was super good. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, a lot of times it becomes that more than, like, how do I convert my 1,000 Spotify monthly listeners into ticket buyers at the show? Right. It's probably more like, how do I convert the 10 people that DM'd me on Instagram last month and said, bro, I love your stuff. It's really inspiring me into ticket buyers. Oh, interesting. And then lumping those guys also in with my friends, my family, their friends, their family who just want to go out for the night and have fun and go to a show. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do. Cause there's there, I don't really feel like there's not like a super tangible way other than just in, you know, social media advertising. To be like, okay, here's my 3,000 monthly listeners, and here's how I'm going to get 60% of them to come to my show next right. month. Right, Because they're listening from different places, you know. It's it's hard to do, yeah, especially in the local scene. <laughs> so the answer to the question is really, I kind of don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the artists I work with, sadly, don't do enough shows, like not even close well, that's to what, what I was they w- should be doing. That's what and, I was wondering, because I feel like because of the scene, they just kind of create music and hope for the best. Yeah. Instead of like you said, you were touring every week, tour, quote unquote. We we're playing you were get, shows, playing yeah. out every weekend. But we That's weren't what I was making any for. money. Sometimes right. we were even paying to play. <laughs> Depended on the venue, but yeah. 
so okay. well heavy metal is different and you're talking about an audience of 50 really dedicated heavy metal fans yeah. versus with hip hop rap or pop you could be talking about an audience of like 400 kind of casual whatever yeah. fans but they're just there because the ambiance is what they the want the vibe is right whereas metal is like I'm here for the metal you right. know and there's only like 50 of those well people. that was weird there's the one the one thing that has stayed in Lancaster County over the pandemic I forget what I forget who does it. It's the like the heavy metal conference that they have. Oh, dude, yeah. Well, it's you're not talking about launch. No, the launch fest. Launch? Yeah, is that? That's it's not. It it's definitely not heavy metal specific. In fact, no, no. I have a ton okay, of artists no, it, I work with who performed at launch. Launch is different. It's the it's there was another one that like two years ago, and I feel like they bring it back because launch is all over the city. It's yeah. the one that, and it's everything. Like, yeah, genre wise. Yeah, 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 yeah. They definitely have metal shows at launch, but. There was the one, I feel like there was like a metal festival that did the uh, convention center. And I know they did, they did it like Interesting. three years ago. And it was August Burns Red was the. the... Honestly, it might have been launch because launch is definitely like they've had a lot of metal at launch, but they've also had like they do everything there. So you might be thinking of launch. OK, yeah. <laughs> what do I know? It kind of leads into my next question anyway, because yeah, before we get. I don't know, more philosophical. Well, we already are philosophical. So in the age of technology, like you said, you're advertising. People can be hitting you up with files from anywhere. Yeah. If you need to meet with somebody, you pull out your phone, FaceTime, Zoom, Teams, whatever you want to do. Right. With Tate and Rockalitit expanding mm -hmm. and, and people fleeing California. Yeah. And New York is in your opinion especially again your not lower thirds but you know that side of the culture trend yeah. is the culture kind of come is there the vacuum and is lancaster do you feel like lancaster's feeling that i'll tell you what dude i had a dude come out from la last week to he hit me up and he was like hey i'm here for la just kind of like visiting just because i'm like working in the area uh, can I get in the studio? And he ended up doing booking like a two day session, recording like tons of songs. Go back to LA. LA. He'll probably come back again in a couple weeks because he works remotely here sometimes now. <laughs> that's like, that's exactly what you're talking about. Right. That's like, ten years ago, somebody from LA would be like Lancaster. What? What's that? Right. Is that not where the Amish people are? Right. Now it's like. Lancaster's a place I kind of want to be sometimes, you yeah. know, even if you're from LA. Right. And, you know, maybe one day you consider moving here because it's a lot quieter. Right. You know, stuff like that, but it's still got a city. And, and like just yesterday, I had a guy call me from North Carolina who's like, you know, he's in town for some work and, you know, that kind of stuff. It does feel like there's this weird little kind of mini influx. I know there's a population influx in general. Right. Like, generally speaking, like the roads. The highways around here, I forget who I heard this from, but it's, like, definitely a fact. The highways around here were built, like, a certain amount of years ago to, fill, to, to like, be able to last um, a certain amount of years worth of growth. And we're at the halfway point of that. Oh, interesting. But the growth has, like, they didn't calculate even close. 
Like the roads are already way more full than they should be yeah. for this point in the process. Yeah. That was a very vague explanation of what they I meant. Built, did you get what I mean? Yeah, they were built in 1970, built for, yeah, basically. They were built for and 30 years, right. the last 30 years, but really they only lasted 15. That's right. Exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're laying down. The infrastructure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's like the general, like, yeah, Lancaster's becoming kind of a go-to spot. But also, like, people who don't live here at the moment are, like, coming here just to be here for right. the week or a sure. weekend, which is like kind of sick. <laughs> well, there is the in, there's the influx of both. You have the Nook, yeah, who brings in all the travel sports teams. That's a great point, actually. Yeah, and they do. Uh, the only reason I know all of this is because the company that I work for owns five hotels in the area. Yeah, three in Lancaster. Yeah, and then four. Uh, no, it's they own six hotels in the area, and then four on the West Shore. And every time there's an event at the Nook, their rooms are sold out. Yeah, I believe it. So, Definitely. and you know, these are the types of people who want to go downtown. Mm -hmm. It may be dad wants to go downtown. It may be volleyball daughter wants to go downtown after their match and go out. And I mean, you, I'm sure you see them all the time. The kids, even the local kids, are yeah. going out and eating after their stuff. Oh, yeah. So it's a great branding opportunity for Lancaster. It is. But then you have the actual professionals up in Lidditz yeah. who are making and doing the work. Mm -hmm. And so... I don't know where I'm you're, going you're with You're talking this. about like Rock Lidditz. I'm talking about like Rock yeah. Lidditz and Tate Towers and that sort of thing. I don't Tate know where Towers, I'm going I guess, with this. is more of its own entity because they're... That's like stage building for yeah. Taylor Swift. Yes. When she wants to tour within anywhere. Right. You know what I mean? Rock Lidditz is... I mean, I know they're at the same kind of thing. They're, you know? they're, they're two <clears throat> separate entities that kind of come together. Yeah, they're two separate entities that come together. Rock Lidditz is more... There's a bunch of studios in there. Yeah. There's, um, you know, there's like opportunities to do a ton of different stuff within music yeah. there. Actually, really good friend of mine um, that I knew from my metal days, John Sambrick, who has an incredible studio, um, Thornwall. He's amazing for like rock, hard rock kind of metal stuff. Um, I work with metal too, but not nearly as much as he does. Right. Um, he just moved to Rockletts. He got a space there and like couldn't be happier but for me if i were to go to move to rock Lidditz, yeah it, it almost kind of like be not great for my workflow because oh, i work with all these people who are like how do i word it nicely like the people who are like in lancaster and they don't really want to leave they don't want to drive a half hour right you know what i mean because they're like 60 percent of my work is this kind of like more rap hip-hop pop thing it's yeah. the hey let me come on in and we'll we'll make something you know, real quick, so kind of like a chill vibe versus like a band where it's like, hey, we'll schedule studio time. We'll take off work for it. We'll work around you and we'll go record our yeah. song for multiple days at your studio. Yeah. Whereas for me, if I was in Rock Lidditz, yeah, people would be calling me up and be like, yo, I'm trying to come in on Tuesday. And I'd be like, sweet, I'm in Lidditz now. And they'd be like, you're in Lidditz? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why'd you move to Lidditz? Right. <laughs> it's a different type of clientele. Is your is your new space going to be more suited to your your core clientele, or are you still going to be able to do whatever you want kind of deal? I'll really be able to do whatever I want. Okay. It, it's, it's well suited for everyone. It's okay. a win-win-win. It's good for my core clients. It's good for me and my flexibility. Um, the only person people it would maybe be bad for is, like, that small percentage of people who's, like – I don't want to go in the city. 
You know, oh, parking. Right. I don't want to figure out how to park. You in don't want to pay six dollars for parking in the. I feel like those people are kind of rare these days. Yeah, though, but I mean, and where you're going on from? You haven't told me the exact location yet, and I'll bug you afterwards because yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil anything. No, but I mean, where you're going, there's so much like paid parking that you can do around there. It's all right there. Yeah, yeah, it's way too annoying. Um, sorry, I should probably actually ask you what this podcast was originally about, and we've been doing the philosophical side, so the practical do your thing, side, man. So. How much of your clientele is paid? Sorry, I'm just looking at the time. Okay, we're good. How much of your time? How much of your clientele is like, I'm coming in because I'm feeling inspired. We're gonna do this. I know you had a couple of late night, you know, like the 10 to 4 a.m. sort of gigs. I've done a couple of those with this one guy specifically recently. It's starting to mess with my sleep schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what's your process when it comes to beginning of song to end of song? If let's say if I were to come to you with an idea, yeah, how would you walk me through it? Let's let's. I love this. So, essentially, what I do is I have people from whatever genre they're in who have an idea of some kind with, you know, a melody or a chorus, you know what I mean, of some sort. And they come to me and essentially say, hey, I like this sound. Can we do something kind of like it? And I get on a guitar primarily, sometimes a keyboard, but mostly I start on a guitar and say, okay, let's build the song. Let's figure out the structure of the song. You know, okay, what do we want this song to sound like? What do we want the sonic structure of it? Pull up, you know, a million samples of everything. You like this, you like this, you like this. And then by via the process of hearing, oh, I like this and I don't like this. It's like, it's like one of those, it's, it's kind of like an AI that like learns you as you like do it more, like you spend more time with it and it like learns. It's like, oh, okay. Because they liked this, they'll also probably like this. You know what I mean? Do yes. all these things, put it together. Eventually, a song happens. Right. This is like a lot of my clients kind of do this. Okay. You know? um, because they don't want to use some YouTube beat or right. something that's, you know, just kind of generic. I do have people come in and rap on YouTube beats or beats that they bought. It's totally fine. Um, but, yeah, that's generally the process. Okay. It's pretty simple. It's, hey, you know, for, for somebody who would have, never come to me before yeah because you know people i've been working with for years like they know the process and we just sit down and we we bang it out or a lot of them even just trust me yeah like hey you know what i like i kind of want to do something that sounds like me but maybe with a more ed sheer intent and i'm like cool i'll send you something next week and then we tweak it via emailing back and forth and there it is you know and then they come sing on it um but for somebody who's never worked with me at all before, it's just, yeah, we sit down. I feel out the vibe that you are kind of giving off of, like, this is the music I want to create. And I start trying stuff out, <laughs> throwing darts at the wall, you know. <laughs> and seeing what sticks. Yeah. <clears throat> all right, cool. So do you do from beginning to end, do you do all your mastering or do you send it out? I, I do it. I do all of it. Sick. 100% of it. And um, I like it that way. Okay. Because really, at heart, I talked about this. I talked about this to somebody really recently. At heart, like, I am a mix engineer, like a mixing and a mastering engineer. Oh, okay. That's what I love. Being a producer is great. It's fun to produce stuff. It's fun to do that whole process I just explained. Yeah. But what I love is, like, everything has been recorded and the artist leaves, and I'm like, crack the knuckles. Let's get to let's get to work. You know what I mean? Like let's make this thing sound like a masterpiece. Okay. Like 
that's my passion. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so because of that, I very much, I price things in a way where it really makes sense to use me as the mixing and mastering engineer. Cause like most, most engineers, they don't want to deal with mastering. And so they're like, yeah, I'll master it for you for an extra hundred bucks. Right. I don't do that. Essentially mastering becomes like part of the deal. You know what I mean? Nice. It's baked in. Yeah. If somebody said, Hey, I don't want to master with you. I have a mastering guy. I would, I would be fine with it. Right. You know what I mean? But I don't really price things like that. It's like, well, to produce it's this and to mix it's this and then to master it's this. I price things like, come on in, we're gonna make you a song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Start to finish. So Yeah. Um, so let's let's get into the nitty gritty here. Or come on in, sorry. Come on in. Hold the thought. Okay, sorry. Or or it's come on in with your pre made thing and you send me the stems and then we'll record it and I'll mix and master it. Okay. But, but it's almost never like come on in and we'll do this tiny part of the process and give all this to someone else. Got it. Sorry. So you try to be as on on <clears throat> as hands on as possible. Yeah, I really do. So how often when it comes to let's call the um, when it comes to your core clientele, hip hop, pop, that sort of stuff that you're creating the yeah. stuff for ratio wise or percentage wise how often are you creating it or how often are they coming in with something and you're just doing the what you like to do it's probably with the with the stuff that's not full band so within that 60 percent that we're talking about uh it's probably about half of that 60 percent. okay the other half is you know somebody with a pre-made beat they're sending me stems of that beat and they're recording vocals over those stems then i'm mixing and mastering everything and sending it okay Preferably raw stems. Those are better. But sometimes people send stems that are like already mixed, you know, and I'm like trying to undo things <laughs> other engineers have done and whatever to get it to sound right with the voice. But yeah, generally speaking, it's about half is like me start to finish from as a producer. Yeah. And the other half is like we're starting the process with an instrumental that's already there. Yeah. So kind of follow-up question now getting nitty-gritty because i'm a gearhead yeah what if we're talking what's your like do you have a a a microphone cabinet you pull from or do you you one of those people who just has the one i don't just have the one i just have a couple okay (laughs) c414 is my primary it's what i use for most vocal we're talking vocals right now we're talking vocals Yeah. yeah for vocals it's it's what i use for almost everything um i have a neumann t103 that's on like not back order right now but i'm like it's in the amazon cart i'm like gonna hit i'm i'm hitting the purchase button as soon as i sign the contract for the other space as far as what the date is that i'm moving in there Mm -hmm. because there's just like there's a bunch of things like i've saved up a ton of money and i'm buying an influx of gear right now and one of those things is like another vocal mic option that sounds really good yeah um, but Can't also, go wrong with Neumann. <clears throat> what? Can't go wrong with Neumann. Yeah, for sure. And um, SM7B, you know, that's another option for yeah. sure. Um, but those are the two primary ones, and I'm going to add the Neumann to that stack and just kind of have it be like so, that. So I'm what? certainly not one of these guys that has 12 different microphones to choose from for vocals, but that's just actually because I'm only 28 years old, <laughs> have only been doing this for seven years full time, and just can't afford to have all that stuff. Well, and that <laughs> you bring up a really good point <clears throat> Yeah. that I'm kind of going to do two th- a twofer here. First yeah. of all, we're not in the economy to do that. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean from like, a, oh my gosh, gosh, that's $4 a gallon. I mean like Lancaster's not in the economy to do that. If you want that. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. 
if you want that go to nashville there are yeah or <laughs> yeah. there's three of the studios in 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 the area that you can get hooked up with. sure yeah you know right um the second is we were talking about it at uh joy's kind of little get together celebration party yeah yeah about how there is that one alabama recording studio Dude, yes they have a, they have like one thing <laughs> for everything it's sorry i'm trying to remember what the place is called oh it's called fame studios okay and they literally just like i watched a video of this guy like it's like a tour kind of yeah and yeah like they have a mic locker but it doesn't look like a multi-million dollar studio that's produced like aretha franklin and Dang, I can't even remember some of the names, but it's like was it it's wasn't all Almond the, Brothers? Yeah, Almond Brothers, yeah. like so many huge names, and they're just like, yeah, this is the, our stuff. We have it. Come <laughs> use it. You know, this is our one electric piano that has been on every record. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just kind of like huge studio. Yeah, but simple. You know, you're not overloading you with all these options. Do you like kind of? Do you like that idea? I kind of like it. Yeah, but I want I want to have options too. And if I had as many options as even they have, I would be have ten times the amount of options I have right now. Okay. But we're talking about that as a concept, you know, of like, hey, here's the stuff that works. And then we have options, but this is the stuff. Yeah. Versus like a Sweetwater studio. Right. Like if you if you ever watch a video about like of like a Sweetwater studio I've video. Been there. Tour, that is the farthest west I have ever gone by oh, car. Sick. Okay. And my sales engineer, shout out to Carl Blakey, who nice. unfortunately is no longer at Sweetwater, which makes me really sad because yeah. I really liked him. Give yeah. me a tour. It was yeah. like like back room. Like, so did you see that mic locker that's like, it's like a whole, it's like the size of this room. Yeah. And it's like glass. and like. It's basically room. like one of their hallways. Like yeah. you walk down and it's like, okay, there's oh, like all this. Yeah. It's like, it's like literally every mic. Yep. And people don't need that many options. It might be cool like, if you're like Katy Perry or right. if you have the money to be able to do that. And if you have the time to be like, we're going to dedicate an entire three days just to figuring out what microphones we're going to use on this record. Right. But people don't have that kind of time. <laughs> well, know? and that and money. or you're such a nerd that you're like, OK, the vibe that we're going with is and going to know. be yeah. this one microphone yeah. with this preamp, yep. with this reverb and delay on it. And because you heard the, the source material and you just know that. That's yes. What's gonna sound. See, I'm not at that point yet. Frank is like, at yes, that. that's Frank. Yes. You know what I mean? Frank is like he will tell you exactly what drum you need to use on a record i don't and exactly how it needs to be tuned correct and exactly what microphone and if it, you need to be in a large room or a, a small how room far the microphone should be away what is the degree that the microphone should yeah. be pointed towards and trust the drum. me i know a lot of that right. i know a lot of that stuff but for, but a lot of people like frank are like it's next level with it mm -hmm. where it's like life or death right it's like it absolutely must be this microphone. It absolutely must be this kind of space. You know what I mean? Frank is the best version of Shazam that I know. And I can say this about Frank because he, for a little bit, for a couple episodes, he was a co-host. Nice. So he technically still has the spot. I call him lost co-host Frank. Um, so like a perfect example was, again, the playlist that Gordy was playing at that, at that get-together. Yeah. I was like... Frank, what song is this? And he goes, oh, it's Michael Jackson. It's so-and-so. And then he lists off every single musician that was playing on the record. Other so records cool. that they played on. It's honestly so freaking cool. Yeah. Like, that's a superpower. It is. <laughs> I wish I could do that. 
So, okay, so show me, go me with signal chain, and yeah. I'm talking full signal chain here. Mm, yeah, yeah. So we're going, we're microphone. Mm-hmm. Ne- next is cable. So AKG, honestly, man, I don't get, I, I have like Megami XLRs, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So super nice. Um, that is going into the Twinfinity 710 preamp. Okay. Um, which is a favorite of mine. I have another one of those things in my cart that I'm about to buy is a new ASP uh, preamp that it, the ASP 800, which is going to be a fun option. But the Twinfinity 710 is like, I love that thing. Plenty of options. Can't go wrong with it. You can get the tube sound. You can get the very solid state sound. You can get either with it. So super cool. That goes into my Motu 8 Pre, which is a pretty standard preamp. Um, it, it really doesn't have many bells and whistles at all. It's just high quality preamp that does exactly what you needed to do with gain knobs and eight channels. Um, and yeah, that goes into, that goes into pro tools on my Mac mini. (laughs) So, yeah. So you're a pro tools guy. Do you have, do you have like a DAW controller or anything? Yeah, I have a, uh, console one fader. Okay. So that's a 10 fader with banks. So, you know, you can work on a session with, uh, 60 tracks doesn't matter if you only have 10 faders you just page from thing to thing and they all they're automated you know um i thought i looked into getting an actual mixing console at one point that's like not a pro tools not a controller of any kind it's just like an actual console yeah the ones that are high quality enough to be 50 grand studio or 50 60 grand yeah yeah you can get one that works but it's gonna outport everything at like you know 16 bit you know like which is fine that's MP3 quality, but it's it's not what I'm looking for, you know. And I mean the the big names, the I just forgot his name. How can I do that? The the SSL, those like the big names, they have small little boards, but they're still like right two grand. Yeah. When yeah. It, and they're two grand. Yeah, and it's like for uh for me, it's like ah. For you, it's still <laughs> probably like ah. It's but very a little much less, like ah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not loaded by any means, man. I can't afford this stuff. <laughs> well, that, that's a perfectly good point is you're doing what you love. Yeah. And you have your budget. And from at least your personality, you're okay with that budget. Yeah. But it's not I'm like cool you're you're going to have it's not like Neve. That was the word I was looking for. A it's Neve. not like you're going to go buy a Neve console tomorrow it'd to put fun. in the space. Yeah. I would love that. That would be awesome. But mm-hmm. yeah, no. Like even I like I'm looking at like if I wanted a board for upstairs for podcasting and if somebody had an idea that they needed to put down an MP3 or a WAV file that I could push to somebody else. Yeah. You know, two grand for a 16-channel board to, that would be able to go in and do DAW control and do what I would want to. Two, yeah, no. grand, two grand is like – that would be cheap for a, for a board that actually does DAW control and is like more than, you know, five or six faders. You're talking about a board, a, a real mixing board that's also a DAW controller. Those I'm not, are yeah. I'm not ooh. talking about a console. I'm talking oh. about like a board. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Like an Allen and Heath board. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, are, yeah. Which is personally one of my favorites. Dude, Allen and Heath, they're they're amazing. That's I what I love. learned on, and then that's what I bought for the well. I bought their nice. QU. I think it was their 24. Was it their 16 or 24 channel? Yeah. Forget what it was. Anyway, I loved it. Um, it's great. It's easy. Anyway. Nice. Okay, so that's your signal chain. Mm-hmm. Do you For have? Vocals, yep. Do you have like studio kind of backline gear, or do you expect everybody to bring stuff? Uh, yeah, I have some stuff. I have, you know, okay, so like, 
we're talking guitars. I have a um, I have a PV Valve King with a Marshall cab. You know, if people want to use that, um, and you know, fully outboarded with plenty of guitar gear, uh, pedals. You know, tons of stuff. Not well, actually, I shouldn't say tons of stuff. I actually don't have that many pedals. <laughs> but you know, I got basic stuff. I got a tube right. screamer. I have some delays and reverbs and stuff. And it's there if people want it. These yeah. days, a lot of times, I know, like Frank would kill me right now. I run a lot of people through guitar straight in in my Twinfinity, like just plug it right in Interesting. and run it, run it through Neural DSP. Okay, you know about Neural? Yeah, dude. Some of Neural's stuff right now is so good. It's like some of the best guitar processing plugins probably ever yeah. made. Um, I'm using the Tone King amp on there a lot. I'm using the Soldano 100 a lot within Neural, just as a plugin in Pro Tools and sounds pretty great but yeah yeah i have i have a um i have a wow geez ernie balls um sister company guitar geez my my brain i don't even know what it is because they have sting they have this stingray stuff yeah but that's actual ernie ball yeah i know what you're talking about but i've anyway that Um, company but yeah that company i have a albert lee model of their guitar that i that's my personal guitar but people use it all time in studio i have a taylor um can't go wrong with the taylor in my opinion acoustic that sounds great right so yeah i have like some basic stuff i don't have a studio drum kit at the moment people bring their own drums which is awesome um most drummers kind of want to anyway. Yeah. Um, and then I tune them up, you know, when they don't sound great a little bit. I'm <laughs> not a great drum tuner, but I'm, you know, okay, I guess. I'm starting to get a little better at it, actually. Um, but, yeah, so I don't, have a, I don't have a ton of stuff. So are you pushing a lot of your, your uh, I'm going to call them FXs, and I'm forgetting what they're actually called. But, anyway, are you pushing a lot of those just with plugins? Yeah. Via Pro Tools? A lot of them, yeah. Okay. Oh, I forgot to mention, huge piece of gear. I have a Roland. Um, it's actually, like, not mine. It's Gordy's. <laughs> a Roland, um, I forget the model, but it's full 88-weighted oh, keys. okay. Um, it can do so much more than I do with it. I'd basically use it as a glorified MIDI controller. Sure. But, yeah, that's what people but to come in honest, and do when they play keys. Uh, they use that. Unless so. unless you're <clears> going to know how to use a Nord's a nord studio or yeah. nord piano just get a glorified mini controller yeah. and plug it into your computer guys. but this thing is that's the thing like i use this as a glorified mini right. controller this thing is not a glorified mini controller this thing is like tour ready you know to Dang. be like yeah. in a, a keyboard for whatever band needed to go on tour tomorrow like this thing is incredible. I just use it like that. <laughs> and one day Gordy's going to take it back from me and I'm going to say that's fine and I'm going to buy a glorified MIDI controller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah. The weighted I, keys are nice though. People like the weighted keys. So I will definitely always have something with weighted oh, keys. Oh, for sure. If yeah. I was having the piano, if I was making a little home studio, that's what, exactly what I would mm-hmm. do. Just something with weighted keys, 88, and that can plug in and I can put a sound on it. Nice. Because yeah. I feel like that's all you need nowadays. Yep. But there is that. Let's go. Let's go there because we have the analog king that we know as Frank Devana. Yep. And then there's you right now on the other side, who's right. mostly digital. Yep. So pros cons. Let me know your thoughts. Why do you like digital? Do you wish you were all analog, or are you a digital hound? You know, I, I'm not a digital hound. I <clears throat> I am integrating more analog. You know what I mean. Um, 
I'm about to get another one of those things. It's in the cart, man. I got like seven or eight things. <laughs> I'm going to hit buy all at once, spend a few grand. It's going to be fine. Is the um, – oh, man, my brain is just farting. It's Sunday, but dude. Don't it, worry it about is, it. It is, man. It's Sunday. <laughs> but it's a um, – it's an outboard. It's an outboard compressor that's like I wouldn't say it's entry level from a quality standpoint, but like pricing wise, it's a, like a little bit cheaper. Right. Um, just something to throw in the signal chain, either like on stuff raw to like kind of dial in the sound going in. Yeah. Or like to use as a mixing tool. Um, but I do. I am like going to slowly start investing in analog gear. Yeah. I don't think the next step is like I'm going to go buy an analog mixing board, but I I am going to start integrating more and more analog eqs and compressors over the next four or five like i think five years from now i will be i'll probably have a good 10 really nice pieces of analog gear that i mix through as well as the digital stuff so i'm certainly not this like no digital's the way guy i'm just the like digital is convenient and it sounds really good and it sounds very in right now you know what I mean? So yeah. I use it and it works really well. Nice. So yeah, that was my basically. Well, I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot one at you. I'm gonna shoot an idea. This is my last question. Golden that age. I have sorry, in my head. Go- golden age compressor. That's hey, he remembered called. it. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Insert random applause sound here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so again, because most of your clientele is that rap, pop, yeah. R&B sound, how have you seen? TikTok affect a the sounds that you're creating yeah. and b how they're approaching tracks. Dude, I had I have an intern that he he's not really my intern at the moment, but he was for a while <clears throat> who does kind of like bedroom poppy stuff. Yeah. It's very like keyboard. It's not even lo-fi though. Like he's he's a good producer. Like I can't even really call it lo-fi. That would almost be like disrespectful to it because it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like in that vein of like it's kind of trying to be in that sound. Yeah. Um, and his stuff is it's so like everything he does is like this could be the background sound to any viral video. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's got like the emotional songs or like touching and the you know, you could just you could literally listen to songs and see a caption of like when your girlfriend doesn't respond to your, whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or like, he's got like fun, upbeat songs that are like, yes, this is, it's so TikTok. So when I, what was your original, you had two questions. Originally. My question, my original question is for the stuff that you're creating, how are yeah. you seeing influence it? And how are you seeing the artists approach it from right. more that? Right. Going on that. Van. There is a, a substantial amount of artists who are getting deals because of TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think at my level, I haven't I haven't seen it influence the creative process a lot yet. Where it's like, in my opinion, yeah, I don't think it. And it's at 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 the stage I'm at, which is working with mostly local artists who are at least local in wherever they live. Um, It's kind of just people are making their music, and if it if and then they put it on TikTok and they they make TikToks of their music. You know, I'm working with like a little pop punk group right now that's trying to go really hard on TikTok and, you know, put out like 30 videos with this song in the background and make it a thing. Yeah. But it's not like when they're writing, they're like, okay, but if I, if we do this as a bridge, how is that going to co co you know, how is that going to correspond with TikTok sure. listenability? Sure. 
it's not at that phase, you know what I mean? But it's certainly like people are pushing it on TikTok. And in a way, to get philosophical about it, like it may be killing songs because when songs blow up on TikTok, it's all you hear for like three weeks. You know what I mean? You just scroll on every other video yep. is a stupid song. And people, you know, it might be killing popular songs in a way to have that be the way people discover them. Because when you when you discover a popular song, you know, or you discover a song that you like, you want to listen to it a bunch. But if you hear it constantly just droning on in the background every time you're scrolling on your phone, you know, sure, it's a pop, it's popular, it's got a lot of plays, but how many of those plays are just like, you know, somebody just like scrolled past it and saw it and we're like, oh, right. yeah, that song again. <laughs> right. You know? Well, there's the, you have, you bring up a good point about it killing things because there's the, have you heard the, I just have it. I always forget how to pronounce her name. The Hazel, the Hazy, the, I forget what her name, she's a uh, kind of like an alternative vocalist. Oh my gosh. I think I actually do know who you're talking about. Hold up. What's her name? Here, let me show it to you. I feel bad that I'm not. She had to, the little, right at the top of the. Wait, Rick Beato? No, 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 not Rick Beato at the top of the caption there. Sorry. Halsey. Halsey. Yeah, okay, Halsey. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely know about have, Halsey. Have you heard the recent thing where her label was not posting a finished album because it they wanted her to create a fake viral moment on tiktok to get plays going did you What's hear that about mean? this What's that mean fake viral moment so they wanted so because so many songs like you said are getting these plays yeah and vox just did a really good video at it that's the video i sent you oh, don't okay. worry about not you haven't seen it oh, don't no, worry I'll about definitely it watch it this is more for everybody listening there is a pipeline that goes from what is and i've i've done the exact same thing too i use youtube music but it is yeah. i like i like what i'm hearing what is the song comments of see course. what it is or yeah. for in the sound caption see what it is go look it up and there's a direct correlation to plays on spotify uh, plays on spotify and plays on tiktok yeah so what her label wanted her to do is somehow create a viral moment on tiktok that would push people yeah, as like a marketing pull, as like a marketing thing and she didn't want to do to that list it like how do you do that you don't you're not in control of what goes viral yeah which so is like, funny so enough you're because saying it was like until this goes viral we're not going to put out your album exactly Whoa. which funny enough that's really interesting because she complained about it on tiktok created a viral moment yeah because it's like injustice people yes. love that you know? right yeah but that's what we're seeing and again guys again from i haven't finished the video but it's very good from what i've seen so far normally i'm sometimes a fan of vox this is one of their better videos okay go watch it uh um, yeah definitely. I have to look it up the title because I need, i'm telling people <laughs> we tracked what happens after tiktok songs go viral that's the title of the video wow I'm and excited. they're there are literally that's what labels are doing that they found that people are watching TikToks and yep. then going and giving these singles artists advances yep. to go create a full album mm -hmm. and then to push them off and then to grow them and you're gonna see I saw a comment you're gonna see a ton of one hit wonders mm -hmm. I guess my I should probably phrase this into a question good or bad like the idea don't like the idea injustice not injustice your thoughts as a producer and someone who's in the music industry you know i don't hate it i don't hate the idea of somebody getting their little moment of fame on tiktok and 
song going viral for a week and then them being able to pay their bills for a couple months because of it more power to them that's great you know like i don't have any personal i understand like i can just see like you know dave pinsato talking about how awful that is as sure. a concept i don't feel that way i i i'm cool with it you know if somebody blows up for a minute and you know for three or four months they get a lot of money because their song got you know 100 million streams because of a tiktok thing cool <laughs> it doesn't save the money me. save I don't it have, i don't really have all that interesting of an opinion about it i don't know i mean that still is because no yeah. offense like my opinion is like i'm too much of a purist when yeah. it comes down to it yeah. again i'm not going to be like if you're using digital to create music awesome create yeah. music because you're creating music if right. it sucked yeah okay yeah but you created it and you expressed yourself there's not enough people people i feel like people have to they feel like they can't express themselves and this is a little bit what mm. we talked about in my last episode this is people can't express themselves because there's such a drive for perfectionism in the industry well that i that part of it all the things you just said i agree with right because i want if something becomes successful it should be good you know what i mean right like olivia rodrigo great she example blew up, she blew up because driver's license yeah is like a great song like that could have been produced a hundred different ways that mm -hmm. could have been like folk it could have been country it could have been all this stuff the bones of that song were just good like that song was going to do well you know what i mean yes because it's a good song yeah but if you're talking about like if we're if we're now sitting here talking about like okay the guy that made I'm trying to think of something that went viral that's just like stupid like Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. Oh, I actually yeah. love Mo is Bamba. There, <laughs> I have heard that. I'm not like super familiar with it. I don't know the the whole like um the like the alligator rap that was on TikTok like Oh dear lord. Something about a crocodile alligator. Oh yeah. That yeah, whole yeah. thing. That like that's kind of dumb. I agree with you. Okay. The fact that somebody might have made like a lot of money because of that, yeah, I agree. That's stupid. But if you're talking about somebody who like they made an actual song and they put their heart into it, they really poured themselves into it, right? And it sounds good, and they're a one-hit wonder because of it. That's what I'm cool with. You know what I mean? I see what you're saying. So yeah. But somebody who just like threw together something in ten seconds, like I'm gonna put this on TikTok, and it's like an auto-tune cat, and they make a million dollars <laughs> off it. Like, yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah i guess i'm just too much of a romantic i guess when sure. it comes down to it yeah but that's just who i am yeah uh josh that's all <laughs> the questions i have for you right now sweet i'm sure we can have you back on later give them whatever you want to plug i want to obviously allow you to plug if, you, if they listen yeah. that far no for sure so hit up wombat recording studio.com or just search wombat studios wombat recording studio you'll find me um Honestly, what I'm really trying to push right now is that mixing and mastering page. So if you go to my mixing and mastering page, you can literally purchase one of three price options. The easiest thing in the world, you put in your credit card information, you drop your files in an email that will be automatically sent to you, and I mix your song. It's literally that easy. So, so if, if you or any of your friends yeah. who are afraid, doesn't have to be good as long as it's a recording. Yeah, just send it, send it to me, yeah. and I will polish that thing up. Because honestly, at the end of the day, there's a lot of good artists that don't, you know, they haven't connected to a studio yet. And yeah. they're just 
doing stuff in their bedroom and they're frustrated that it doesn't sound professional because they don't really know how to mix, send it my way. I'm ready. <laughs> well, guys, this has been uh, the Creative Journey podcast as always. Thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next time with whoever I bring on. <laughs>